0: You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. Honey, come on
1: over here, sugar buns.
0: This machine just called me an asshole. And that's one thing we'll never do is call you an asshole, because we love you listening to our podcast. That's right. Maximum Overdrive on 80s Revisited. I'm your host, Trainers.
1: Autumn Harris.
0: And, of course, our producer, spinning the freshest ACDC hits all episode long, Jesse
1: Sedgley. Yes, I am.
0: See, already off to a high-octane start. Energized. Is, you know, it's Maximum Overdrive. We're uh-huh. in Overdrive. No, we get it. Okay, just making sure. Keep going. This is a very divisive movie, I'd say, because I think most people who haven't seen it since probably they were young probably just remember it being stupid or something. But I guarantee they remember the Green Goblin 18-wheeler. Yep, I More did. than anything. Mm. But anyway, everybody, episode number 126, Maximum Overdrive, released July 25th, July 25th? 1986. IMDB says it's a 5.4.
1: I'd give it higher than that. I would agree.
0: Rotten Tomatoes, 17% critics, 51% audience. Really? That's a Yahoo Serious score yeah, right no, there. Yeah, no, it's wow. way better than that. Uh, budget was 10 million estimated. Open for 3.2. Domestically, however, only grossed 7.4, and I couldn't find any info on rentals or world- worldwide gross. So, hmm. uh, being that domestically it grossed 7.4, its budget was a 10 estimated. It probably just made its money back between. Worldwide in Reynolds, I'd imagine, maybe a little more. Uh, however, it should be noted the first and only film directed by the writer himself, Stephen King. Hmm. Uh, of course, uh, to his credit, Stephen King has 54 books and one director, one directing credit being wow. this film. Uh, written, of course, by Stephen King. Obviously, he uh, not just the short story, but also the screenplay and everything. So this was kind of like his his project.
1: So any changes he made that deviated from the story were his?
0: Yes. Which we'll get into that at the end, so save Mm -hmm. those thoughts. Uh, Starring in his prime, Emilio Estaves, as Bill Robinson, of course, Young Guns, Mighty Ducks, The Outsiders. We know. You know. (laughs) What else was he in? Name me another film other than the ones I mentioned. There's a big one that I didn't mention on purpose.
1: Which ones did you name? Ah, uh, sorry. You get, <laughs> sorry.
0: You fail. Breakfast Club. There's another one right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. St. Elmo's Fire. There's another one. Come on. I can roll them off all day. Young Guns 2. Well, yeah. Like D2, all, uh, The Mighty Toxins uh, 2. All right. Yeah. D3. All the sequels. Breakfast uh-huh. Club 2. Good job. After school detention. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, but also, Pat Hingle was Bubba Hendershot, the villainous store owner, if you want to call it that. But uh, most notably, you might remember him from Tim Burton's Batman. <laughs> I'm sorry. The stunts on this bridge part are just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, people going out windshields. Ridiculous in, like, a good way. Like, it's pretty brutal <laughs> when you're, like, watching it. But anyway. Yeah, Pat Hingle was Commissioner Gordon in the original uh, four Batman films. And also, he was the narrator in one of the greatest animated films of all time. Would you care to guess? Nope. Didn't think so. Land Before Time. Ah. Uh, Laura Harrington was Brett. Uh, the only thing she ever really did of note after this was Devil's Advocate and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Uh, the funny thing is, like you know, Emilio, you know, he's his star's kind of risen and it's slowly setting in the west, so to speak. I mean, he's not in his he's not in his heyday anymore, though. I'm still no. waiting for him to come back.
1: Yeah, as soon as he starts taking like the old man roles, he'll be back. to Oh like yeah, his I mean, well,
0: once his dad dies, they're gonna need somebody yeah. who looks just like that to be right. Martin Sheen. So they're right. gonna get Emilio.
1: Exactly, because he looks exactly like he him. really
0: does. Uh, but anyway. Uh, the next few people, arguably, are more famous than Emilio now, but not at the time. Uh, first off, uh, Yearly Smith was Connie, of course, for 30-something seasons, whatever, as the voice of Lisa Simpson mm. on The Simpsons. Uh, so is. How many seasons are they on? Do you know offhand? Uh, 26. 694. Yeah. yeah, it's 94. ridiculous. Uh, also starring Frankie Faison as so. Handy. Uh, most notably, he was, uh, I forget his name, but he was the, the friendly black... Guy in uh, Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal, the one that uh, the uh, orderly that was like friends with Doctor Lecter, and he joked that he probably didn't like dark meat or something. But he's the one in Hannibal who kept his mask huh. for the opening of the film. But he was also in The Wire, which you should know him, you should have known him from. Uh, Why should redo the scene on MythBusters. <laughs> well, right. The, the, okay, quick aside as we're talking about this <laughs> opening scene, the dude on the motorcycles at the top of the drawbridge right. and he slides down, but he falls off the top. Right. He slides up right. and goes off. <laughs> bad editing. And then they cut to the truck that's caught in between, and there's not enough room for him to fall through. Exactly. It does, that's, it's bad editing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, first time director. There you go. Brilliant writer. We'll talk nice. about his directing in a minute. But uh, also starring, in a, as, as her credit is Second Woman, Marla Maples, the former Mrs. Donald Trump. Mm. Uh, she also starred in Executive Decision and some other little bit roles. Uh, of course, as Autumn mentioned in the opening, I'm not sure if it's going to make it past the start time edit, but Stephen King had his cameo in his first film at the beginning of this one as the man at the ATM who is mad that the machine called him an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, it should be noted that probably the most famous person today in this film, I bet you don't even recognize, because I didn't either until I thought, this dude's name is very familiar, and I looked up his credit. I'll give, it's the guy in the video room we start stuffing all the cigarettes in his pockets. Uh-huh. Do you know who that is? No. That is Giancarlo Esposito, otherwise known as Gus Fringe from Breaking Bad. <laughs> in probably one of his first roles. Uh, <laughs> he was also in Usual Suspects and on that TV sh- uh, another TV show called Revolution, I believe. But most notably, he's the chicken man from Breaking Bad. Yeah, he's gotta go, you gotta go all the way to the extended cast to find him up there. Oh, uh, yeah. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in He has in a here. picture. Now, <laughs> He has a picture him somewhere. He's in there. Yeah, whatever. Somewhere. I don't believe sure. you. <laughs> there he is right there. Right. You can't see where I'm pointing, but yeah. Uh, his his credit in the film was video player. Nice. So, from bit roll to drug kingpin and chicken man. And it only took 30 years. But he made it. Less than 30. But was anyway. his first thing, though. Let's see. Oh, he did some Sesame Street. Mickey. He did quite a bit. <laughs> I wonder what he was doing on Sesame Street. Hey, kids. So, mate, I got some candy for you. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yep, when he was much younger. And like we were saying, we were watching it, didn't even recognize him. Nope. Not at all. Hey, guys, taking a quick break from the podcast, ask you to please, please, please shoot mm-hmm. on over to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. We love to hear feedback, because, hey, let's face it, like the 80s, we're not perfect. Also, head on over to... <laughs> <laughs> So we screwed up this ad. <laughs> Damn! Now I get got to get back to the show. This is thirty second now. We only got eight seconds left. Oh shit! We so, Oh, I thought you figured like you do your okay, magical Amazon, editing. thing. iTunes and Stitcher reviews. Go get them. Thank you. All right, Autumn. You had seen this movie before, correct? Yes. Just once, twice. Was no this one that your mother loved?
1: Yeah. My brother loved it.
0: Okay. I don't. I don't. I can't fault him for that. But anyway, what do you think of it? Revisiting it now, or did you have any, an opinion on it back then?
1: No, I just remembered seeing it. I didn't remember anything else just like, about it. You I in the just room, remember in like big giant truck
0: thing. You tell your brother you're so stupid. You're watching that stupid movie
1: again. Of course not. God, that's my little brother it. all the time. Every time he's watching
0: Supergirl, <laughs> again, and then he graduated to a Goofy movie again. But he blared that thing for so long. It's and all about Stupid you, isn't it? soundtrack. Well, you know, back in the day, <laughs> there was only one TV, one VCR in the house, so yeah. you had to monopolize your uh, time when you care. had it. But anyway, what do you think? What? Continue.
1: I was entertained. I enjoyed it.
0: You mean back then or today? Right now. Okay. That's all you gotta say? <laughs> yep. You are just overflowing with opinions.
1: Yep. Well, okay, so then, are we gonna talk about the book yet?
0: Of course. No. Okay. We got all this other stuff to get through. All right, go ahead. Spoilers. Jumping ahead. But anyway.
1: It's based off a book.
0: I, I literally said that, like, right in the beginning. Then
1: it's not a spoiler, is it?
0: No, talking all about right. the book. All okay, right. Jesus Christ, get <laughs> off my nuts in the bad way. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, of course, you know, when I saw this as a kid, I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, the vehicles are alive, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, almost like a dark transformer type movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, but they never transform. Right. But anyway, uh, as a kid, I never, like, you know, didn't love it, didn't hate it, just knew of it, mainly because I always remember the truck, because mm-hmm. obviously it's the Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, watching it, you know, not just night before last, but also, you know, since then, I kind of li- like the movie. It's, it's just, it's a fun B movie. If that makes any sense, sure. It's a, uh, you know, it's it's one it's a movie just to watch for a, a, a laugh, and also some really grisly kills and some mm-hmm. <laughs> parts. Uh, la- uh, first, but not definitely not least, a child getting run over by a steamroller yeah. in the first seven <laughs> minutes of the film, and they pretty much show it, <laughs> just show everything, which. Uh, and in hindsight we talked on Toxic Avenger how the kid getting run over like as a kid like oh my god it's so gross uh-huh. this one's way worse than that one yes. <laughs> when this kid gets hit uh, by the steamroller but anyway uh, revisiting it I, I like this movie now I appreciate it much more as an adult than I did as a kid as a kid it was just a fun thing that would come on TBS or TNT et etc cetera, et cetera. oh here watch he just randomly falls mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 out of nowhere a steamroller hiding <laughs> behind the scoreboard with the psycho theme
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: and this what we we're watching it. <laughs> Pretty nice. freaking brutal, and no blood. Although fun fact on that scene, they uh, it actually cuts before the they uh, rigged it to have blood so it would do a Temple of Doom type effect, where the blood would come across on the oh, yeah. uh, roller or the steamroller. <laughs> but uh, as the steamroller was crushing it, it pushed the blood sack like for like it didn't pop it. It just kept it pushed it to the top of the dummy, and then it just shot it out. Like his head exploded. <laughs> and they had to cut it. That's why it cuts like immediately, like before uh, anything. Uh, like, why does it kind of. The head gets hit? Because it would have gotten an X rating for having that. But like King for was just.
1: Exploding childhood? Imagine yeah. that.
0: <laughs> 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 Again, Toxic Avenger, unrated. Splash! Splattered watermelon. Yeah. So. But anyway, yeah. This is one that I, I, you know, I could watch it. Any, if it was on TV and we had cable still, which we don't because we Netflix everything and all that kind of fun stuff. If I saw it on and I was just hanging out watching TV, I probably wouldn't change it unless I knew something else better was on another channel. But I don't know if I'd take that risk into a commercial. Mm. So, put it to you that way. You but anyway, could just go on YouTube and watch it. That's true. Because actually, <laughs> how, that's how we're watching it right now. The full movie is on YouTube. So... Uh, watch along with the podcast. We pretty much started at the beginning. so <laughs> And it doesn't have that We're, effect on it. Yeah, yeah. so you want to have a kind of washed out <laughs> look to it. Oh, I will say, we watched a, a 1080p version of it, and the film looks amazing. Mm. Like, it's a clean transfer, especially for a, a film from 86. You know, there's not really any kind of scratches or anything. Very clean. Uh, looked like it was made just yesterday from the, uh, the Blu-ray. Uh, but anyway... Uh, multiple copies online, too. They have a 1080p version. Oh, that looks markedly better than the one we are just watching. Not too bad. Color-wise, too bad. definitely. Yeah, color-wise, you can see it. Yeah. But anyway, watch along with us. But anyway, uh, <laughs> some of the trip. there's a lot of interesting stuff behind the scenes of this film. Uh, like, of, of course, I mentioned before, this was Stephen King's first and only directing credit that he has, which, honestly, I don't think he did. It's not that badly directed. There's some editing stuff that most people might not even notice, but of course I know Je- stuff, people like me and Jesse pick them up really uh, quickly and stuff like that, but uh, Let's you know, see who edited this thing. <laughs> Stephen King or Richard Bachman That's his Evan pen name. Evan Lottman well he, did a, well, he did some other stuff <laughs> The Muppets Take Manhattan Yeah And I saw The Exorcist as a credit yeah, The Exorcist and wow. those are the big ones How'd you let that for opening scene slip by, bro? <laughs> That's so awkward. It's just like, how oh, the this dude fell off? Anyway, watch and send us your theories at, Asia at did that. Yeah, it might have been... You can't... Nobody can fuck up this opening scene. I'll let you do it, kid. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. But anyway, uh, Stephen King has admitted that uh, he was, quote, coked out of his mind the entire time he was making this film. Lovely. So... But... You know, it didn't come out... Coked out of his mind. You know, it wasn't... Again, I, the, 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 the film's... Don't le- be so
1: judgy. It was the 80s. <laughs> it was. He had money.
0: He's got even more now. But right. uh, anyway, uh, the directing is the least problematic thing about this film. If you're going to, like, you know, be really critical of it, I'd say. Because uh, there's some great, you know, obviously sequences of people being hit by vehicles. And then just, you know, the film does a really good job of conveying basically animated vehicles. Because I know when we were watching it, you kept saying, like, oh, I thought I saw somebody in the cab. And yeah, like, I
1: was looking for it.
0: And look all you want, but I found this out today, Listen to a, another podcast, which, by the way, it's really hard to find a Stephen King, a good Stephen King podcast. Like, or anything that's, like, not, like, sounds... Not, not bash anybody, but, like... Yes, I, I love how the book on page 347 it went into this really tiny detail about uh the shape of the woman's hand... And that part just really struck me. That's kind of the majority of the ones I found. Oh, geez. I was just looking for one that was, had a little energy to it. There was one. Uh, I guess I'll plug it because it was interesting. It was just called simply the Stephen King podcast. Uh. Only 40 some episodes, though. So, But uh, they talk about everything regarding the, the different movies, the books, everything Stephen King related, if you want to, like, if that's your thing. But anyway, uh, they did. the reason I know that, because uh, uh, what I'm about to tell you, because I heard it on the podcast, because they had a guest who was a reporter who was on set for this film. And saying how Stephen King would disappear hours at a time. And, you know, when they were doing changeovers or something. And in hindsight, they, everybody knew what he was doing Not then. I mean, not now, because of his own admission. But anyway, the trucks were actually driven by remote. You will not see anybody in any of the cabs. Not see. The not see party. <laughs> but uh, even though, like like you said, like a couple times I kind of swore I saw like an arm or something. Because you kind of, yeah. you know, it almost like it's a little game in the movie to like try to catch mm-hmm. them messing up. Because... Uh, even in modern modern films, like, uh, there was a Pierce Brosnan Bond where he was controlling the car. But you clearly see a dude in the seat, like, mm. in practically every shot. Uh,
1: like, I never saw a person, but, like, I swear, at one time I saw an arm, and it looked like maybe they were wearing, like, a long sleeve black...
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, it, arm,
1: like, just an arm, not a hand, not anything else. But it, it very well could have been a shadow, because you know how yeah. steering wheels back then had, like, several...
0: Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's what it—you know—it had to be something like that because obviously
1: it was steering wheel shadow. The
0: drivers were driving them from the floorboard with a periscope to look over the. <laughs> Maybe it was the a thing, periscope, and they uh, everything's on like remote to drive it and everything, hmm. which pretty ballsy because you have trucks, rigs going like right up to actors and bumping them and all sorts of stuff while the cab's in view and you can't see anybody. So, <laughs> pretty brave, and also coke fueled. <laughs> <laughs> just stand in front of the, truck's gonna the me, truck, it's going be fine, me, I don't care, it's just gonna come at you. I mean, that's a pretty... I mean, that's not a safe stunt the guy just did diving out of an oncoming Mack truck. Yeah. You know, of course today, you know, this film would be heavily CG, and sure, yeah, it yeah. would have some practical stuff, but it would be a lot of CG, or they would just take the drivers out. Whereas these were, you know, practical 80s effects. Uh, but anyway... Uh, King also said he didn't know what he was doing what he was making because he was so coked up. He did remark that he would like to try directing again another time, but sober. So, oh, yeah. What's fun in that? <laughs> right? <And> then, <laughs> but then also, uh, someone asked him in an interview why he had never never done anything since because, I mean, this is 1986 where it's almost 30 years later next year and he said, uh, just watch Maximum Overdrive. That's why I haven't done anything else.
1: I don't think he did Bad job. Exactly. That's <laughs> what,
0: that's like, you know, uh, I watched a video of him talking to some students like a Q and A, and that'd be the question I asked him like, why do you think you did a bad job? Like yeah. directing wise, you did fine. Like it's not badly directed. You know, I think it's maybe he has high standards for himself. I'm sure he probably does. No yeah. Stephen mm-hmm. King. Uh also, or maybe
1: he just didn't like the criticism because like even if you do a good job, you're still gonna have critics that are gonna talk a bunch of shit.
0: Would it be honest, if he did any other move directed any of his other works aside from trucks? it might not have been quite as uh, maybe dismissed as being silly and all that because the plot is silly. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, when, when, again, a lot of... I would of, like
1: to know what inspired the story because when I was like reading it, I was thinking that maybe um, he got stuck in a traffic jam and there were 18-wheelers everywhere and just got on his nerves and then he was like, they're the villains. They're <laughs> clogging up the highways.
0: I don't know. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> we talk about the book stuff. Fine. But he, but uh, he is like, if you listen to interviews with him, he does talk a lot about it's mundane things like that that inspires him to to write like for like the core nugget of a story that he then elaborates on with whatever. Uh, like he was saying that he heard about a virus in when uh, you know uh, back in the '80s that's uh, that was you know r- spreading in a foreign country or something that inspired the stand. Just that, just that hearing that story on the radio inspired arguably his greatest novel, as many people would say. Uh, but anyway, uh, here's some fun things. We, you know, Mad Max on Road Warrior. I believe uh, you know we talked about that stuntman pretty much nearly died in that one shot with uh-huh. his legs hitting him in the back of the head, but still being attached. Uh, an accident occurred on July 30th during the shooting of the film. Uh, it was actually the scene with the lawnmower, which. Uh, in this film, in the book, they don't say anything about a lawnmower, but right. I think it was in this film as a little homage to the lawnmower man, uh-huh. which was also collected in the same book as Trucks was Night Shift. It was the book, uh, but anyway, when the the lawnmower, there's a scene where the lawnmower comes right at the camera, and again, this they didn't have much of a budget, so they had wood blocks set up to stop it because it was again, it was a powered lawnmower that they just set to come at the camera uh-huh. for the shot. Well, uh, the lawnmower was powered itself. Uh, it went over the blocks Started <laughs> chopping up the wood blocks And shooting spears of wood everywhere awesome. Stop laughing because Armando Nanzuni Lost his right eye Oh, oh, shit. oh by the way He's a DP oh, that's Director such. of photography uh, So he lost half of his Entire profession So to speak uh, By the way he did sue February uh, Stephen King for damages For 18 million in damages The suit was settled out of court Lost an eye and then retired. Yeah. Obviously, Holy he couldn't do much because he's crap. a DP. It could have been the grip and nothing would have happened. But it's a cinematographer, so. That's his living. Dude,
1: how horrible. <laughs> like, why couldn't you just put the camera down and walk away?
0: No, I mean, <laughs> it was supposed to stop, but it just kept going. And I mean, a lawnmower, the second it started hitting that, it started shooting shit out. I don't see why they had the blade on it. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't think to take it off. I said, oh, just it have it and We'll stop it. It was the 80s. Like they didn't screw. know it would
1: come off. <laughs> Weird. Uh,
0: this was actually, I thought this was really funny. Uh, the Dixie Boy truck stop was a, was a full set constructed uh, outside of Wilmington, North Carolina. It was so convincing that several actual truckers pulled over to try to <laughs> shop and get gas. It does look
1: like <laughs> a really nice truck stop.
0: In fact, the guy uh, in the podcast I mentioned earlier who went there for an interview Passed it by several times looking for the spot because it looked like a normal truck stop during the day. It wasn't mm. until it got later and he saw the film lights out that he realized that was actually the set. That's cool. Oh, wow. uh, and actually, uh, after the film, because in the film they blow it up, the station blows up, uh, some people actually rebuilt it and it was like a, you know, kind of a niche niche diner type thing you know based on the movie, which of course the movie is more popular probably now than it was then. Mm-hmm. But uh, it went out of business two years later. Oh, no. But it did become a working truck stop. For That's a little cool. bit, an actual one. Uh, signs, Some signs for it still exist. Old signs on the side of the road.
1: Oh. Does it say where you can find these signs?
0: Mm, no.
1: Isn't California? I'm sure.
0: No, it's baby, I told you, it's in Wilmington, North Carolina. Wow. Oh. Uh, I already talked about there. the whole steamroller thing, which is crazy. Oh, another, pr- uh, another, a cameraman almost died in the scene where the ice cream truck flips over. Uh, it was supposed to flip more than once which also kind of slows down its momentum as it's rolling because it's causing a decrease in its forward ma- uh, momentum. Uh, but it just flips once and then landed on its back and starts sliding at the camera. And if you watch the shot, you can see it's getting, it gets really close to the camera. Hmm. Uh, but let me see, what was the name? I think it was a grip, actually. Uh, yeah, the dolly grip jerks the cameraman out of the way at the last second before the truck hit it. So the trucks almost claimed a real victim Crazy. after the lawnmower failed. That's To uh, awesome. get a kill.
1: <laughs> like, the machines really were trying to kill people. <laughs> and this is
0: a prequel to Terminator. Uh, in the movie trailer, Stephen King said uh, his quote was uh, that he decided to direct the film himself after writing several because, quote, If you wanted to see Stephen King done right, you have to do it yourself. <laughs> so, If you're <laughs> Stephen King. King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is also one of the few stories by Stephen King that does not take place or mention his home state of Maine. Yeah. And it's part of the movie or the story. Right. So, but anyway, uh, score-wise, Autumn, what would you give it?
1: I liked it. I would do, like, high seven. Poss-
0: <laughs> We're on the same wavelength two weeks in a row, or three weeks in a row, Ugh, as far as... We spend too much time together. No, <laughs> I would also give it a seven, because it's No, but it's I'm, like, enjoyable. high
1: seven, like, seven, eight, seven, seven.
0: Like, point? Yeah. Wow. That's like the highest thing you've ever. This is the best highest-rated movie you've ever done on this show. No,
1: it's not. But no, I liked it. I thought it was done really well. Yeah. I don't have a problem with the direction. I think the cinematographer did a good job. There's like some really like some honest to goodness good shots.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not. It I mean,
1: looks good. Yeah,
0: I would. You know, I would definitely not. Like I said before, directing is the least of the film's problems.
1: Like I don't. I don't have a problem with the actors. Yeah, I mean, it's like, not none of it.
0: Here's my big like. If you want to nitpick it, which we, you know, even for things you love, you have to do that. <laughs> the thing that's really just silly about this film is is the is just how they set it up. Like, not a Living Dead was because of a comet coming around, and making the you know that's how they played it off, or uh, a space probe from Russia or something, There was some they played it off on the news. Like that's this is what started the zombie invasion or yeah. the Dead Rising. Like this, I think this film would have been better without the intro about mm-hmm. the comet. Just, just. Let it start and that will lead us uh, that will lead us yeah. into yeah. our discussion now autumn. Take the gag out of your mouth. so I'm now letting you speak all you want about the actual story. Okay. But, but before you do, mm. <laughs> real quick when and for this week's back to the future we're going to compare the book to the film. Uh, but just a little background the story came out in 1973 in the June issue of Cavalier and was then collected in Night shift which was released in 1978. And again, the film came out in 86. So roughly eight years after the story, the film came out. So Autumn, the floor is yours. What do you think?
1: Okay, so that's why I was like when you said that Stephen King did the screenplay. That means all of the changes that differentiated from the book to the movie, he did. He made all these adjustments. He added all these bizarro details, I guess, to extend the story and to however long the movie is. So in the book there is no crazy intro like it just happens this is just Mm -hmm. happening we don't have a scientific reason behind it because you don't need one (laughs) uh yeah
0: because science
1: yeah so not necessary and then like i just just read the story today and in the movie they have like this whole arsenal of weapons that they don't have in the story because like who the fuck has an arsenal of weapons at their truck stop? Crazy
0: sh- truck stop drivers. Yeah. No
1: one. The answer is no one.
0: You don't know that. So, I'm just saying. Devil's advocate. Yep.
1: But, like, that's a weird thing to add in there.
0: Well, here's why, here's here's my opinion. The story... Like you said, the story is... The movie's actually very true to the story as far as pretty much almost everything that happens in the short story happens in the movie. In a sense. Because, except... The movie adds an adds a story to explain it and there's a happy ending. And the, the story cool thing, does not have a happy The short ending. story just starts off where they're already in the truck stop and, and like trucks are you know, people are dying and all this stuff and they don't know what's going on. There's no arsenal, there's no weapons, they have no way to fight back. And it's and it's honest honestly the story the short story could literally be the prequel to Terminator because <laughs> The the uh, short story is just bleak. There's no happy ending. It's just Not like at basically all. they accept their fate that they're now serving the machines. Yep. And have to and they re, they're gonna re, accept their fate to just refuel them and that's all they can do. They can't fight it. I mean, it's either you die or you refuel them or you're subservient. And honestly, like hmm. it, Get all that coke just going. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's what Spoiler. makes the short story like darker and kind of creepy. And simply that there's no explanation. It's just
1: this happened. This, and like now and that we're makes alive. it so much scarier.
0: That's why the original Halloween is so effective. There's no reason he just escapes. Why is he going after these people? Then in part two, they add a story to it, which doesn't Lame. necessarily ruin it. But it, that's the start of the the down. That's over the hill going down. It's always more scary if you don't know what the reason or why. That makes it so much more effective. Which the story does. And again, downer ending. In fact, the it's kind of I thought of it like the last words of the short story were pretty creepy. I thought uh, because uh, the main character, which you know, when I'm reading the book, when I'm reading the rereading the short story, I'm seeing Estevez in it obviously because the movies. We just watched the movie. But he's saying how like he could just see the world being covered with asphalt and like the you know these are the new you know this is almost evolution in a sense we built them and now we're you know, we're the, we're the cattle. We're sustaining the next form of life, so to speak. And take, not am not getting too deep or serious with it or anything, but that's sure. kind of what he, like, realizes. Like, this is, you know, we're, we're, we're not top of the food chain anymore, to use a quote that doesn't really make sense, but it fits what I'm trying to say. And the last thing he says is that uh, he looks up and he sees airplanes, and his, the last words of the story is that he wishes that he could believe there were people in them, which to me is just, like, it's just creepy. Because like now it's like, I mean, and when, but then what I like about Stephen King stuff, I haven't read everything. I've only read maybe three or four of his books, but he, some people think he goes on too long, which I think he does sometimes, but it's sometimes it's the little things that he touches on that really kind of makes it creepy, which I think the story, absurd, yes, but if you really think about it, that's kind of terrifying if that happened. Like all of a sudden, I mean, what would you do? Nothing. You would die or you would fill him up. Yeah. So, so I think uh which do you like better, the book or the story? You
1: mean what? the story or the movie? Yeah. The story.
0: <laughs> book <of> the story. <laughs> Thank you, fact checker. Fact checker Harris. F C Harris. Private F C private fact checker. No, but anyway, uh oh what I meant to say was the movie is an action movie, I would say. The book is a almost beginning of a post apocalyptic world mm-hmm. so to speak
1: I like it the story was really good
0: uh, yeah but the movie is definitely it's It's. I don't I, that, the sto- I like the story better definitely but the movie much like the film we're going to be talking about next week does something different like it, it keeps the same beats so to speak but has a different tone than the story
1: well yeah they changed the beginning and the end
0: <laughs> that doesn't matter but you could still do that and have the tone the same Jurassic Park's drastically different between the two, but the overall tone of them of both the book and the movie are the same. Same with Jaws, book's terrible as opposed to the movie, but the overall tone of the piece like is that same. There's there's you could see where they're similar. Trucks, the the short story, it's you know same kind of stuff as the movie, but the movie is it's action. I mean, there's machine guns and rocket launchers and yeah. rescues and all sorts of stuff. So it's definitely more like an action movie. Than a horror... Like a a horror film. So. Mm. Anyway. uh, Fun fact. uh, Maximum Overdrive was the 11th film based on a Stephen King movie to come out. Wow. Because he's... Again, 54 novels. Most of those have been movies or TV shows. Uh, Again, this was 11 adaptations of his work. The first was Carrie in 1976, written in 1974. The second was the shining 4 years later in 1980 that means between 1980 and 1986 there were nine more adaptations or excuse me eight more adaptations and then maximum overdrive of his work in that in the 80s yep between movies and tv uh, mainly movies back then of course uh so very prolific and well respected and with a lot of his earlier work i'd say well deserved so that's that anything else babe nope Nothing else. Nope. I'm, Jesse, I'm sorry I didn't ask you if you ever saw this movie. I actually haven't. Really, you never seen it. No. Nope. It's worth watching if you're bored, <laughs> or even listening to it while you're driving on one of your long drives. If you don't have a current episode of a podcast to listen to, there you go. It's uh, yeah, you know, in closing, if you haven't seen it in a while, give it a uh, give it a rewatch because the season is coming. Even though it's, again, my opinion, I put it in the action section, not the or the sci-fi fantasy section, not necessarily the horror section, if I had to catalog it as such which I don't because video stores are dead dead thanks dead, to technology dead. but anyway next uh, don't forget everybody you can email us let us know what you thought of the uh, either the book or the movie Eighties uh, srevisited at gmail.com uh, at awesomepods on the internet or uh, Facebook or Twitter and all that other fun stuff awesome podcast network there's more than one show we're not the only one there's plenty of old and great episodes of tons of shows on the Austin awesome Podcast Network, and as always, a big hello and how are you to our friends in Lafayette, James and John with Now Versus Nostalgia, give them a listen as well. And next week, we'll be covering another book to film adaptation. However, this one's by a man named Richard Bachman. Hmm. We're gonna go for a little jog, break into a full out sprint, and we run from the hunters uh, yeah. as we hunt. Uh, that's, uh, I fucked up the segue. <laughs> yeah. Next week we're gonna go hunting Schwarzenegger uh, in the yes. Running Man. So stay safe, and we'll see you then. So and then don't trust. The home game. Yeah, <laughs> not the board game, as Autumn corrected me right. before. So yeah, see you next week, everybody. Uh, again, Maximum Drive is on YouTube, and uh, Running Man is actually on Netflix, by the way. So if you haven't seen it in a while. It's never a bad idea to put on an Arnold flick from the 80s, so do it. Do it now. Go. I know. Till next time, everybody. I'm Trey Harris. Autumn Harris. Yes, he said it On Facebook.com slash Pods and follow us on Twitter at Awesome Pods.